Blog Talk Radio. Okay, okay. 
I can't believe it. Like we playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community, standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in Movember for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The MOVE Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache, challenge yourself to move, and support those who do. Together, we can change the face of men's health.
right, welcome back to the balance. That was the scene with the IU win last week. Uh, joining us now is Rick Regan and Scott, our official uh, college uh, football uh, extraordinaires. Good morning, Rick. Happy Halloween. How is you, sir? Pretty good. Hey, Hind is laughing to uh, James Bond music. That is the perfect Halloween lead-in to the IU game. <laughs> well, we'll get to that here in just a second. Scott, are you with us? I'm with you, Tom. I'll try not to pull a sleepy Joe Biden and talk about COVID all day, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, the reason that we played the James Bond... We got breaking news. That's right. As we found out this morning, just right before we came on the air, Sean Connery has passed away, the original oh, James Bond. So that's I where the James that. Bond. And in the Laughing Halloween, Hyena was already in uh, queue because it's Halloween, brother. So Damn, that sucks. I love Sean Connery. Yeah, 90 years old. And he played a lot of great movies, but obviously no. Ninety years old, and he was probably still the most eligible bachelor out there. <laughs> nobody, nobody has to to do the uh, Sean Connery accent on the show, though. <laughs> but then the IU thing, the IU win last week. Let's talk a little bit about that, guys. I mean, like IU, don't like IU. I'm a big IU guy. Everybody knows that. I fly my collars, IU. I like Notre Dame, but IU is where my where my blood is. It's to see that kind of a win. Not really elevated them, especially with what we're seeing happening with Wisconsin and another uh, big team team. I think that really is – that game single-handedly elevated them to the playoffs. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the IU uh, game? Big win next weekend. Yeah, great, great win for Tom Allen in that program. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time since they beat the top ten team. Uh, was the ball inside the pylon or not? Well, I don't know if we'll ever know. Uh, but great call going for two in overtime. I think it was the right decision. Uh, I'm still curious on how Penn State only gives up 200 yards of, on defense and gives up 36 points. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed by that, but great win for the program for IU. I, I tell you what, I was I was super excited, super stoked, and it was like one of those things. You're like, okay, here we go, typical IU uh, ending to a game, and let's spell the word choke. We can't win, we can't uh, beat a ranked team. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts to that big win? Uh, for me, you could see it coming at some point. IU getting a win like this because the way that they played Ohio State the past couple of years, and Tom, you know what I'm talking about. Ohio mm-hmm. State comes into Bloomington, and uh, IU has them against the ropes and just loses the game late to him. And uh, Tom Allen is a, a fiery coach, and, and the team takes after that persona. They take after him. So it, it's been a great fit since he's been there. And you can just see a, a win like this happening, getting over that hump uh, to, be, to beat a, a nationally known team like that. You can just see it coming. Uh, for me, uh, I, hope, I hope they keep it going. So I, I tell you what, we – Continuing on with the IU conversation, and, and we got them on our, our docket to talk about today with against Rutgers, uh, but Rutgers also has some momentum coming in. So we have yeah, big teams. surprise. Yeah, we have two teams that that aren't used to winning on the on the big scale that are Scott. We'll start with you. Do you think the world we live in? Do you think that it's uh, the 
the uh, can we can we talk about COVID? I mean, do we think that, that has some contributing factors to these wins, or has has the ability to not play allow weaker teams to get stronger? Well, we, we've seen it with with every conference when they came out. Uh, it's just the, the unexpected how how you can prep for your weeks in in your season upcoming. I mean, that was it was week one. Uh, who, Rutgers had seven seven turnovers against Michigan State last week. They're not going to do that every week. Uh, it's, week two is when we start to see who these teams really are in their conference play. It's, it, it was basically their warm up, their their spring game or or their or well, we'll we'll see what happens in week two on how those on how these teams really look. Rick, what are your thoughts? Rutgers, uh, IU goes to Rutgers. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, it, it, here my thought on Rutgers is, is it's a, it was a big surprise. I, it's cool to see Rutgers get a win like that, and uh, I, they're not going to beat up on IU that way. I think a lot of it had to do with Mark Antonio stepping down as Michigan State's head coach. They have a new head coach, new system trying to get installed. Uh, so I think that had like a lot to do with it, if not everything to do with that game. Uh, Michigan State is – Probably going to be the bottom of the barrel, the Big Ten this year. Uh, IU's going to probably have not much problem with Rutgers today. Well, Tom Allen is 19 and 20 now, and uh, now in his fourth full season. It's hard to believe he's been there that long as head coach at Indiana. Uh, and then Greg Shanero uh, is his second uh, year uh, of the head coach there at Rutgers. And as well, Greg Shiano, and, and here. You remember, like ten years ago, it was Rutgers. It's when the Big East was still a thing. Rutgers, UConn, and West Virginia were all really good. Uh, it there in the Big East, and they all they all had like a, a a national title hope. They were all undefeated, but they all played each other at the very end of the year, and they all beat each other, which is crazy. So Greg Schiano was the coach of Rutgers at, at that time. Now he's back there again, so he might be rebuilding that brand and bringing that back and bringing them back to that glory of 10 years ago, which I think would be great for college football because ever since Rutgers has joined the Big Ten, they have not belonged. So if he can get Rutgers to compete in the Big Ten, I think that's great. Well, yeah, and I think they've got – I mean, they've got some good weapons to, to, to deal with. Uh, and, and Scott will bring you into the conversation here. Uh, I mean, really, what does Rutgers have to do to to beat IU? And we'll talk about the other side of the the line here in just a second. But go ahead, uh, Scott. Yeah, it's uh, Rutgers has to have that opportunistic defense again, like they did last week. Uh, Michael Penix, uh, I like him as a top three quarterback in the Big Ten for IU, and his QBR last week was thirty three point nine. That that looks like could be a very similar situation for that Rutgers defense if, if he's not. He's not on it. They only put up 170 passing yards against Penn State, but Penn State's got a really good defense. Uh, somehow they still got 36 points out of that game last week. Uh, so if Rutgers is going to win, they're going to have to be. They're going to have to have the opportunistic defense that they had last week. Um, I like IU to go in and win, uh, but that's where this game's coming down to. And yeah, IU uh, take care of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rutgers defense certainly was the story in in their Week One win. I mean, that unit forced seven turnovers, five fumbles, and two interceptions. It, it, it results uh, reflective of their head coach. The Scarlet Knights only had seven takeaways in total in nine conferences in the last season. Let's move across the line uh, here to to uh, Tom Allen in, in Indiana, Rick. Uh, what does uh, Indiana have today? Not only the same, but maybe even continue, on, continue the momentum uh, on the road against Rutgers. 
Yeah, I, I'm with Scott. Uh, I think Michael Penix is one of the top three quarterbacks in the Big Ten, and he's just got to be himself. He's got to protect the ball. He's got to make the big plays because uh, he's dual threat. So teams like Rutgers, uh, I don't know what they do do with him because uh, he's got a, a hell of an arm. And then when you try to, you know, play some uh, dime defense or whatever and cover the deep passes, uh, he's going to he's going to take off and run the ball himself. So uh, you got to guard guard him both ways. So uh, I'm with Scott, and I think if he just protects the ball and he plays his game, uh, IE will not have any problems today. Yeah, obviously I'm an IU guy as well. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Michael Pinnock uh, can uh, shake off the, some rust uh, and seeing some drives and produce some more big plays in week two. With Rutgers dialing up the blitzes, Pinnock might need to attack via a run as opposed to passing. That might be a, an option that he goes to. But I think it does feel safe to say that Rutgers probably isn't going to force another seven turnovers uh, today. Uh, if they do, they'll pick up another well-earned victory. But I don't see that happen. So I, I like Indiana in this one as well. Indiana 27 to 17. I don't know the spread on that, Scott. But what's that? What's that sound like to you? You're, you're pretty close. It's it's 11 for IU. I got the game 33-20 in favor of the Hoosiers. All right, let's move on up north to Notre Dame. I believe they're on the road against Georgia Tech. Yes, they are on the road at Georgia Tech with limited in-person attendance. Uh, let's start with you, Rick, because you are the Notre Dame guy in the gang here. Let's, let's break it down, man. Well, uh, Notre Dame brings in one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, that are, they're five and zero. Oh, they've only given up forty nine total points. Uh, so you have to give respect to that. I mean, their opponents been Duke, Louisville, Florida State, uh, South Florida. So you have to give respect to that. Only giving up forty nine total points. One of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, but their problem is the passing game. And uh, I think we're going to see them. Uh, you know, we saw Ian Book last week against Pitt. Really open it up. Uh, threw for three hundred yards. I think he had two or three touchdowns. Uh, of course, I was uh, at work, so I missed half of that game. <laughs> but uh, I think really? we see them open it up more. I think I we see them open you... it up more because what? Huh? I want to know were you really at work because uh, uh, Scott and I had 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 a had a prop bet going on that you just stayed out too late last, the night before. Oh no, he, Scott knows. I was on call last week. I had to, I had to go up to a place in Jasper, and then from there I had to go to a place down in Henderson. And when I got back home, the second half had just kicked off, so I was fortunate enough to still catch all that. But I got called uh, right before seven you had o'clock to go all last the, Saturday morning. You had to go all the way up to Anderson. That's like a three and a half, four hour drive no, for you. No, 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 Henderson, Henderson, Kentucky. Anderson. Not Anderson. Oh, I think you said Anderson. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, but, but well, anyway, you got to be sidetracked here, Tom. Yeah, I'm going to roll on with the, uh, the the main the main point here. Uh, they're going to work on the passing game some more. And the reason why, because they got Clemson next week uh, with or without Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Notre Dame's got to figure some things out in the passing game here uh, because they can't just uh, show up against Clemson with their running game because uh, Brent Venables is probably the best defensive coordinator in the country You know, for, you know, for Clemson. So if if all we've got is a running game, Brent Venables is going to dial up and just sit on the run. So we're going to have to open it up. We're going to have to, going to, have to work on the deep balls. And uh, I think since uh, Tommy Reese has taken over the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Ian Book has kind of regressed a bit and the offense has slowed down. And that's really unfortunate. But 
he's really supposed to open things up for us, and I haven't seen the progression yet. But figure it out because they got Clemson next week. Scott, you're up. And Notre Dame and uh, Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. My, my only concern in this game is is Notre Dame looking ahead to next week. How much are they already game planning for Clemson? <laughs> I mean, Georgia Tech. Uh, they do have two solid wins this year. But it's their only two wins. They they opened up against one at Florida State, uh, and then they beat Louisville at home. Uh, but other than that, I mean, they. They, they lose to Syracuse, lose to Boston College. Uh, I, great, great, two great wins against Florida State and Louisville, but I don't see them doing anything against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, no one's been able to do anything on the opposite side of the ball against that Notre Dame defense. I don't predict Georgia Tech does that either. Uh, the only thing that could be eye-opening in this, in this is, is Notre Dame looking ahead, uh, or are they going to be Georgia by 30 points like they should? So I mean, I mean, let's let's think about this. Let's, let's the, the elephant in the room, if you will, uh, Rick. And we, we we've mentioned it numerous times on on text, and we've been hearing it on national media. What if Trevor Lawrence? And remember, he tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, certainly, he's the Heisman front runner uh, out of Saturday's game against Boston College, and creating doubt of his availability next weekend in the showdown against Notre Dame. Obviously, uh, Clemson is holding their collective breath this week uh, uh, that Trevor will be able to play. But is Notre Dame uh, preparing a game to, to, to dominate without Trevor Lawrence, or are they preparing a game with Trevor Lawrence? I guess what's the impact, if any, that Trevor Lawrence misses that game to Notre Dame? Well, uh, watch Clemson's game today because they're bringing out a five-star freshman, DJ Ugalele. Uh, more tongue twisters right when we just uh, figured out how to pronounce Tua Tongo Viloa. Now we got D- DJ Uigalele coming in for Clemson. So watch out because uh, he's a big dual threat. Uh, he, he's big arm just like Trevor Lawrence, but he, he can also run the ball. So we need to watch uh, what he does today. But I think if, if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm preparing for Trevor Lawrence. So that that's just my take. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, now instead of remember it was tanking for Tua, it's tanking for Lawrence uh, now. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts, uh, Trevor Lawrence? What's the impact to Notre Dame, or more importantly, what's the impact to Clemson if he can't play against Notre Dame? What's the what's the playoff implications there? I I am not going to be concerned if Lawrence can't go. Ewing Delaney, he was the number one recruit. Uh, for in, uh, as coming in as a freshman, we've seen this with Alabama and Clemson. We remember when Trevor Lawrence was the first year as a freshman and came in and just lit the country on fire, uh, and he's been on fire ever since. I think that they have a, a quarterback waiting in the wings to take over next year if if Lawrence decides to go to the NFL. Uh, same thing when we saw with uh, with Tua Alabama when he took over for Jalen Hurts. They just they have their quarterback there ready to go. Uh, they they know how to recruit. They always have a backup plan. Uh, and we still got ETN over there in the backfield back. If that's how they want to play on offense, they can do that. Uh, Notre Dame doesn't need to be uh, holding their fingers that Lawrence doesn't play because regardless, Clemson is going to come ready to ball. Guys, let's take a break from college football and move over to the Major League Baseball. There's a team that call, they call themselves the Dodgers. We called the show today Roger Dodgers. Uh, Rick, we'll start with you because – I mean, the the uh, Braves let the Dodgers win the World Series. True or false? Well, I don't really comment too much on teams that buy titles, so I really won't talk much about the Dodgers because that's what they do. They're just like the Yankees. Okay, the question was, 
did the Braves allow the Dodgers to win the road? Because here's the thing. If the Braves yes. had a – I don't I equate their the contract sizes of, that they pay players. Let's, let, let's think about this as, as a private as a private business and a private entity. Uh, if you were to hire the best CEOs or the best salespeople or the best – whatever it is in your job that you do, if they are, hire the best that they can hire so that they can be the best in the, the marketplace, who's to fault them for that? Uh, Major League Baseball. <laughs> Scott, we're going to divert to you because <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think the Braves allowed them to. If if the Dodgers didn't win the series, the season's a complete failure for them. I think the bigger story of the Rays would have won with their uh, with, with their roster and their payroll. That would have been the bigger story. Uh, the Dodgers were supposed to win, and if they didn't, that's for the season. If they don't, well, the, the, they were one game away from uh, getting to the World Series when everything fell fell apart. So, I, I don't. Well, I let mean, me put this in perspective for you, Tom, real quick. So, the, the, the salary this year for Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, is twenty six million. Okay. The salary this year for the entire Tampa Bay Rays team is twenty eight million. So, tell me how that's right. Well, first of all, the players' union allows and votes on contract sizes. Would we agree on that? So that's well, the players' union is for the players, so they're going to get the most money for the players because the MLB policy is in place uh, to for for no for no balance here, right? So what, what you're saying is they should there's no the salary cap. cap in baseball. There's no salary cap in well, baseball, so teams just go buy titles, and I don't think that's right. But don't you think that the NFL, who has a salary cap, pays an extraordinary amount of money to certain players that that re, re, results? Tom Brady, for example. Well, they they do, but that also comes at a price. They have to so, give up players to sign players to bigger contracts. So in baseball, you don't have to do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm a I'm a National League Central guy, and I'm a Cardinal guy. Everybody knows that. But you also got to look at the Dodgers haven't been able to win a title since 1988. I mean, so it's not like Yankees where the Yankees can can say we can I I can buy the the, the argument. But, but my my thinking is that the Dodgers won the World Series, and it, but there were yeah. so many side stories on this uh, the COVID story. I mean, they weren't wearing a mask. It, it is kind of silly though when they wouldn't let fans into the. Uh, not very many fans, I should say, into the World Series, but yet they 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 were all over the streets and airports on planes together, all doing celebrations. Uh, I mean, you know, I, it's got. I mean, maybe maybe you can you, you can speak to this as well. But Mookie Betts has earned every dollar that he's gotten paid. Do you not think? You think that just because he's one of the best. Uh, right fielders in baseball that he doesn't deserve the money because of a salary cap? No, he absolutely deserves the money. There's not that many five tool players that you know that would that that are available. If you if you go and get one of those just all around guys and are and are willing and able to pay him, you you pay him. If the major league baseball allows it to happen, so uh, Dodgers just taking advantage of what's available. Yeah, and I, I guess that's you know, Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, I guess the rules say that you can do this. So if you can do it, 
why not do it? I mean, I guess that's that's kind of uh, where where we're at on that. But uh, and, and the, the the competitive the, the competitive balance there is is the analytics side. You know, you got the team like the Rays or the Royals who won it a couple of years ago, uh, going all the way back to Billy Bean with the A's. It's uh, they're just they're they're able to counterbalance that and be competitive. Scott and Rick, I'm gonna I let you nailed it. I mean, you you home roamed it there. We live in a world of analytics. My my job and what I do in my real world in risk management and software, uh, base everything on analytics. We base everything on historical data. That said, the Rays, if they had used that historical data and analytics, they would have won the World Series, but they didn't do that. And I also don't think the Braves did that. So there's still that that old school way where we don't need to use analytics. Analytics wins games, guys. I'm, I'm telling you that uh, for sure. We're going to take a break, and we'll get back into the college football. we still got some games of the week to, uh, to talk about right here on Halloween, boys. About to get scary right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community, standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in November for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, 
physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honour. It starts conversations about men's health. The MOVE Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache, challenge yourself to move and support those who do. Together we can change the face of men's health. Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. 
Yeah, they just got to get a little better defensively, and I'm with Sky here. And also, we're seeing Spencer Rattler grow up right before our eyes. You know, of course, he's a freshman quarterback. He's get, getting in rhythm now with the uh, with the offense leaking Riley once. Uh, he's uh, he's been performing a lot better these past couple weeks. I uh, I think we'll still uh, continue to see him to grow this year, and especially you know a couple of years at least. You know, if he ends up being a Heisman candidate or not here in a couple of years, but uh, we're seeing him grow up. Uh, I don't think they win the Big Twelve. I know they're still kind of in it. Uh, it all depends on Oklahoma State, really, and what they're going to do. So, but uh, I like Oklahoma in this game. So, Scott, the spreads like well, I saw yesterday on this when I was looking at these games. The spreads like fourteen. Is that line moved at all? Spread for Oklahoma. Uh, I think it was favorite, yeah, I think half. it was thirteen. It, it, it's been fluctuating between thirteen to fourteen and a half. I think it was thirteen when we started the show. So here, here's will be another half point or point movement. Okay, okay. So here's my thing, and I think anybody that follows college football and Texas Tech knows that Lubbock, Texas, has a reputation of being a house of horrors, uh, and for its opponents, if you will. But we don't have the fans in the stands, so maybe we can't say that. Uh, but the Sooners haven't lost there since 2009, uh, but they've certainly engaged in their fair shootouts in Lubbock. A few weeks ago, this match looked like a chance for Texas Tech to regain its winning weight uh, you know, versus OU on, on the Red Raiders' home turf. The, the Sooners appear to be maturing quickly, so I, I, I hesitate to, to go against the grain here, uh, but I haven't done it all day, so I'm going to go with Texas Tech. This, this is going to be a tight game, maybe another like IU-type win. Uh, this week, so certainly this is not going to be a blowout. I, I certainly feel like Oklahoma will cover the spread, maybe. I don't know, but it's Halloween night, and something's got to scary going to happen on Halloween. You know, it's going to happen. I'm just going to go out there on a limb and say Texas or Oklahoma. How crazy am I there, there guys? Yeah, well, Tom, that's, that's not really that crazy of a pick because Texas Tech, they do score a lot of points, and Oklahoma does not play defense. And uh, it is 2020, and there's a full moon on Halloween. Uh, it's not a crazy pick. I, I forgot it was a full moon on Halloween. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get any better Halloween. Right. Gonna, I've got my candy <laughs> like the first already. time is like 1943 or something. I think I heard something like that. Yeah, I've got my candy already. I haven't been able to be trick-or-treaters for a few years because where I lived before – I was just right on a busy road there, and, and nobody's going to bring their kids down that busy road. Now I'm, I'm back in a subdivision, and uh, uh, Melissa says there's kids that come by here all the time. I've got my I've got my and my bib overalls that I'm going to wear. I was a moonshiner for work this week, but and I had my coon pecker and everything. Uh, but I well, <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say? A coon pecker? Y'all don't know what what a coon pecker is in Moonshine World? No. (laughs) It's an actual coon pecker. It's an actual coon pecker. I'll I'll send you a picture of it here after the show. Uh, Okay. So what they do is they take the coon pecker and they put it in the end of the steel, and it regulates the flow of the moonshine out of the steel at a constant flow into the – the jars. Every moon, every real moonshiner has a coon pecker. I can assure you of that. But uh, yeah, every uh, every uh, hunter that uses a bow and arrow to hunt has a whisker biscuit. I know what that is. 
I don't bow hunt, so what's the whiskey biscuit? <laughs> Go ahead. We need to know what it is, brother. Oh, whisker biscuit? Yeah, I know. It's hard to explain. I have to send you a picture of it. Okay. Is it a is it a metal animal's extremity? No, it just it just helps them with their aim. <laughs> okay. We digress. <laughs> Coon peckers and that's what we should have titled the show today. Coon pecker and whisker biscuits. <laughs> anyway. I, I do like I, I I'm thinking about getting a crossbow. What do y'all think about that? We're we're off target here, I know, but I am thinking about getting a crossbow. I didn't hear a word that either one of you said. You said what do you think about the crossbow? I said something like fun. So you, yeah, go go get one. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it would. All right, guys. We got a really good game on tap at, at Cincinnati. We got the Bearcats number seven. Uh, hosting the Memphis Tigers. And so we got Tigers and the Bearcats uh, tonight uh, at 7.30. I think, no, I'm sorry. It's at 11. noon today. Look at next week. It's at noon today. Uh, so we'll start with you. Um, Scott, what are your thoughts on the Tigers and the Bearcats? Yeah, I, I'm all about Cincinnati from the group of five, but they got a murderer's row of a schedule. Memphis is a really good team. Cincinnati beat them twice last year. Uh, but, man, you talk about evenly matched. Uh, Memphis's downfall, they give up 567 yards on defense. Uh, but they put up 548 yards on offense. But it's going to be the Bearcats' defense that's going to pull this one out for them. I got Cincinnati by a touchdown. And continue to move up the ranking. Scott, where we're at on the lines on this, I don't think that I – just based on what I looked at yesterday, but I, I don't know what it is now, but it looks like Cincinnati opened up at like about a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Is that about it's, right still? It, yeah, it's six-and-a-half right now. Okay. All right, uh, Rick, what say you? Yeah, that's actually closer than what I thought it would be. And when you think about it, they're getting three points because they're at home. So, really, what they're saying on a neutral site, Cincinnati is a three-point favorite. So, that's really close. Uh, me and Scott picked Cincinnati from the get-go here to be the best group of five team and then uh, have a shot to play off. And I'm not turning my back on that at all, man. I'm, I'm rooting for Cincinnati. Uh, I know they're backup quarterback, and uh, the quarterback's that anyway. So uh, uh, I'm stuck with Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that close. I think they win by a couple scores. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I just think that Cincinnati is just an awful matchup for Memphis. I mean, the Tigers love to play against fellow high-scoring high teams because it allows them to hide their hide their horrendous defense. And, and that's a big problem with, with Memphis. They don't have a good defense at all. They do not fare well against teams that are strong on both sides of the ball. And Memphis only has covered uh, the number once since in the last seven games. So I got to roll with uh, Cincy on this as well. And certainly uh, to, to uh, do the cover, they'll win by <laughs> at least um, by, by seven. I don't know that that's going to be any big surprise, but that would be an upset with Scott if, if uh, Memphis found a way to beat Cincinnati today. Yeah, Memphis. Memphis can be is going to be in this game. Uh, it's it's going to come down to a one score game, if maybe seven, eight points uh, at at the most. Uh, Memphis is going to put up some points. Uh, the Cincinnati defense is what's going to be the nullifier in that. Uh, but I don't know if Memphis ever stops Cincinnati on one possession. Cincinnati has the potential to go down and put up seven touchdowns in the first seven possessions, no problem. 
All right, guys, let's move on into Big Ten football. We got Ohio State Buckeyes at Penn State. It does not look like the the, the conditions for Penn State are going to improve this week. Obviously, after uh, that huge loss to IU last week, uh, number three Buckeyes coming in one and zero. We'll start with you, Scott. What are your thoughts, Ohio State Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions? I, I really like Penn State's defense. Uh, I, I mean, they were the they, the last two minutes of that game last week, uh, they allowed IU to stay in the game, and uh, you know they just unfortunate for Penn State. That I wonder if they were looking ahead to Ohio State, but they only gave up 200 yards on defense last week. Uh, Ohio State is the cream of the crop of the Big Ten. Uh, they are the number three team ranked team in the country, and they should win this game by double digit points. Uh, but I'm not going to sleep on Penn State on uh, just you know blowing an early season victory or uh, you know, chance last week against IU because they were looking ahead. But Penn State is still a really strong team. Rick, a week ago, Ohio State opened up its season at home uh, with a win against Nebraska Cornhuskers, and and today uh, they'll make their road debut while facing its first ranked opponent this year. The number three Buckeyes are one and zero do battle again with the number eighteen in the Lions, even though they're zero one. They're ranked uh, number eighteen in a much anticipated matchup between two. 10 powers uh, in front of Beaver Stadium. We got to say Beaver today. Uh, but it'll be, right. be mostly empty uh, uh, empty stands. Uh, the game is at 7.30 tonight. So what are your thoughts on Ohio State and uh, Penn State? Well, if no pandemic, uh, this game will be a whiteout. And then I will start to favor Penn State a little bit in this one. But being pretty much a neutral site game because there's no fans anywhere and no whiteout, you know, they're not going to have that as like as like a 12th man, you know, form at Penn State. Uh, State does not have the horsepower offensively to, to keep up with Ohio State. Defensively, maybe they can uh, keep them in the game for a while. But as the game goes, adjustments are made. Uh, Ohio State's going to get up by two or three scores, and then it's going to be over because uh, Penn State just they don't have the horsepower. Well, certainly a win is all that matters. Surely Ohio State fans would love to see the Buckeyes roll over the Lions tonight and look at like a national championship team, uh, which a lot of people think that they will be. As competitive as recent games have been against Penn State, um, it's 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 a tough game to go. And I, I agree with you. Had we had we not be in in the pandemic world, it would probably put a little bit more on it. Scott, what's the spread on this again? Do you remember? The spread is at 10.5, but I'm taking Penn State. As long as that thing's over 8, I'm taking Penn State for the point. Well, I think this is you're going to be okay on that because I think certainly the Buckeye defense is going to force at least three turnovers today. Uh, I mean, yeah, Penn State's offense looked pretty good last week, but it was IU. Uh, so we'll have to see. Uh, we'll see. But I, I'm going to go with Ohio State on this one as well. I think that there's just too many, too many weapons on both sides of the fence. And let's we'll talk about we talked about Ohio State and national championship playoffs. We look at we look at the Big Ten now. We look at Wisconsin canceling games. Uh, Rick, we'll start with you. We talked about this offline via text. Uh, the the COVID impact that Wisconsin canceling games. If they have to end up canceling another game, I mean they're going to be totally out of the mix here. So. How is COVID really affecting 
the national championship outlook? Well, just look at Trevor Lawrence now. If he can't go next week against Notre Dame and Notre Dame gets the win, uh, Notre Dame might end up in the ACC championship game as an undefeated team, and then Trevor Lawrence is back and Clemson gets in, you know, because if they don't trip up anywhere else, I don't see that happening. And Clemson wins the ACC championship, then you'll have a one-loss ACC champion in Clemson and a one-loss Notre Dame. And then what do you do with the other schools like Ohio State that's played four less games? You know, this is like the playoff talk I was telling you about last night we need to really get into because uh, you're going to have like an undefeated Bama and a one-loss Georgia, one-loss Clemson, one-loss Notre Dame. Uh, you're undefeated Cincinnati. You're going to have all these teams and then a team like Ohio State because they canceled almost nearly half their season because of the virus. Uh, why why do they get in? Just because they're 9-0? and So that's where the impact is, I think, when it comes to playoff time. Well, here, here's my big thing. Uh, in, in just giving the Big Ten credit where credit's due, I felt like it was too soon to start their season. Across the board, across the college football world, we've seen outbreaks. We've seen people testing positive. We've, as we just talked about with Trevor Lawrence. Um, now, immediately when they start their season, 10 players are starting to test positive, and it's creating situations. Um, I think there were, I, I, again, I'm not a, a, a fear porn kind of guy, to quote Clay. But I do think that I, I think the, the the point is this is such a crazy virus, and I don't think anybody I don't care what side of the political fence you're on. It's not this is not a political virus. It's not a Democrat. It's not a Republican. And I think that that even though we got a Republican president now, and we probably will have in a, next week, just saying that's a thought, just a hunch. But even if it was the other way around, even if we don't have a Republican president, this virus is still going to be top priority. And and anybody that sits back and thinks that the president, no matter what the political party, is not doing to 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 uh, fight this virus, first of all, doesn't know anything because the president has no power to fight the virus, none uh, whatsoever. They're not a medical doctor. They're not a scientist. They have no power. They don't they don't have any power of anything. Uh, so. To make this thing a political thing is crazy. But on the other side of it, I think that we've all – I would venture to say that we all, within an arm's length, know somebody that's been – I mean, my father, for example. He didn't die of, of COVID, but he had COVID when he died. He died of other complications. He was he was already in really bad health. But the, the, the thing about not it is – Not to be personal, I, Tom. Not, 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 I'm sorry. Not to get personal here and cut you off. Uh, when he passed, though, did they rule that as a coronavirus death? No, I don't think so. I don't think so because when he passed, we didn't have the results back yet. So I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No. no, I don't well, think so. My, my, yeah, my, my point is here because I have some customers, a job to talk to customers that had older relatives pass because they, they were sick with something else. But at one time earlier, it's sure they had coronavirus. And what they're saying is, the coronavirus weakened their, their systems where they couldn't fight the other sickness, you know, that that they really died from, and it's still right. counted as a coronavirus death. So what what is that's where what I think they happened. inflate some of these numbers that way. So what has happened across the board, to, to, to my understanding, is the the federal government mandates that you report all coronavirus outbreaks. 
okay? It, it mandates that. And there are some crossover uh, deaths. I don't think the death number has been inflated by situations like that. My, my, my point being is we're, we were such a rush to get back to sports, and we're seeing it in every single sport. So it, it, it's not just college football, but we're seeing it everywhere. And, and Scott, you're in the Army. Are, are you seeing things like that? Are, are you seeing outbreaks in the Army, and how's the Army dealing with it? I mean, we, we, we're seeing them. Uh, I feel like they're managing it on a very much uh, – on a different level to more of an extreme. They're, they're being a lot more cautious. Uh, than, I mean, the, the rules that the Army puts in place, like you're not going outside of a 50-mile radius from the installation. You're not allowed to travel to hot spots. You're not allowed to uh, go to schools that, you know, on another installation. They're keeping – it's more kind of quarantine the entire area or isolate the area from the outside public so you don't have a major outbreak. Uh, I feel the, the way the Army's managed it is completely different than the non-military world. So I, I guess to bring everything full circle with the Big Ten here, was the Big Ten really that far out of line by saying we don't feel like we should start our season yet? Because we've only been one week we're already seeing games canceled from major powerhouses within the Big Ten. Well, my, I, I my wonder, big thought on my, my, my thought ahead. on the I'm Big sorry. Ten, and, and I really feel for Nebraska here, uh, or a team like Nebraska. So there's there was no flexibility in the Big Ten schedule because they came in so late. We'll see the same thing with the Pac-12. Uh, the the Big Ten's you know rules: if you're a coach and you are positive, you're out for ten days. Players, you're out for twenty-one. We talked about that last week. But another implication is to get into the conference championship, you have to play six games. Uh, Nebraska's already lost one. They tried to schedule an out-of-conference game this week. Big Ten said no. Uh, and who knows if next week Nebraska goes and the team they're going to play against, same thing. Nebraska has to cancel a game with even they don't have any outbreaks. And you look at Wisconsin, they have no more room, and they are a top-ten team that has the ability to be in that conference championship. If they miss another game, forget about it. You're not, you're not even in the picture anymore as a top-ten team. No flexibility, no room. They're not postponing games. They're just outright canceling. And I, I think because they came late to the party, they put themselves in that position. Yeah, you're exactly right. right. And, yeah, the thing is, uh, you know, a team like Ohio State could do everything right as far as their protocols go, and their opponents could be the ones that, that get infected and have to cancel games. And they have two opponents this year that have to cancel against Ohio State. Ohio State's out of it. And that's the Big Ten's fault because I don't know why – they thought they couldn't play in September, but they can play in October. I, I don't understand the reasoning there. So it, it's all their fault, and this is the reason why they should not be allowed uh, in the playoff. They can go any other bowl game, but they should not be playoff eligible. All right, guys, let's move on. We've got a couple more things to cover here. we got uh, uh, Scott uh, Kansas State against West Virginia Mountaineers. So we'll start with you, Scott. What say you? So – ESPN's number fire has this game as, as even, uh, even across the board. And the line opened at three and a half. It's moved to five and a half. So I'm buying Kansas State all day in this game. Uh, I really, I like Deuce Vaughn, the freshman running back. He's the only player in the country that has 300 rushing yards and 300 receiving yards. I'm all on Kansas State this week. They have a tough, tough schedule coming up. They're going to get Oklahoma State next week and Iowa State after that. They get, they can run those three games. We're looking at a top ten team in the country. Rick, uh, Kansas State and West Virginia. 
Hey, yeah, you know, I was Scott. Yeah, I, I was loving the fact I, I could rip on him a bit because they lost to Arkansas State game one. But after that, uh, they look like a top one of the top, the top maybe the number two team in the Big Twelve as as far as my opinion goes because they actually play a little bit of defense unlike anybody else in the Big Twelve. If they get when do they do they play Oklahoma State, Scott? When does that come up? That next, next week it'll be in Manhattan. Oh, man, that'd be the game to watch. Uh, the winner of the Big 12 is coming out of that game next week because I think Kansas State's going to win today. Uh, watch out for that, next, that, that game next week, though. Guys, last week was a mess in a game where West Virginia needed to win. They didn't. Fast forward to this week, and who knows? The Mountaineers are at home, which is a plus, uh, considering they're, they're at a 3 and up this season. Kansas State is a good football team. Can the Mountaineers do enough to pull off an upset? I, I don't think so. And, and with the receiving corps still struggling, they'll need a heavy dose of, of Letty Brown. He'll help, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough. So I'm going to roll with the city on this one, probably around 31-27. But I'm not good at picking scores. So we'll just go with – I'm going to go with a Kansas State on the, on this one. So we're all with Kansas State on this one, huh? Yes, sir. I, it, it sounds like it's within. They're the, they're a five point underdog right now. So, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, guys, we've about wrapped up our time here today. We'll start with you, Rick. Any final words of wisdom, sir? Uh, I, there's no wisdom that comes out of me ever at any point in any situation. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh. Be, be safe out there. It's a full moon. Happy Halloween, everybody. I'm on Twitter at Reagan underscore Rick. Should we uh, should we do side bets or prop bets that who's going to be the president of the United States on our next show? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I think that race is 50-50. I, they show all these polls on TV, and I, I don't I don't, I don't, don't get any of that stuff. I, I think this race is a lot closer than where everybody's saying. I think it's 50-50. I agree with you on that. And I, I there's, there's there's people you know oh this is Biden win this is but then you look at you look at the numbers and you look at the polls and you look at we it, it, and you know this is not a political show I think everybody knows where I stand politically so it's not like I'm letting any secrets out of the bag here but the the mainstream media let, let let's face it they are a an extension of the Democrat Party and they're going to use every part of that that they they can uh, Scott. What are you, any thoughts your chief going to be? <laughs> well, I've, I'm getting a little bit of COVID fatigue, so I hope we don't have to talk about it next week. But I already know the number one take to begin the show next week. We're going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. But I got the COVID fatigue. I'm, I'm tired of talking about it, but I know it's going to be here for a few more weeks at least. All right, guys. Well, you have yourself a good weekend, and we'll catch up with you soon. And I think, boss, Rick, are you yeah. still with us? Okay. Who? All right, Me? guys. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk with All you right, soon. Take care, Tom. Okay, we're coming up next with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, uh, editor editor in chief of <laughs> SpeedwayDigest.com, as well as Tony Donahue. We're going to be breaking down Martinsville and the IndyCar Championship of last week, right here on Halloween. It's 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 scary out there, people. <laughs> we'll be right back. Here on the Balance Radio Network.
The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. The movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community, standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in November for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The Move Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache, challenge yourself to move, and support those who do. Together, we can change the face of men's health. Joining us now is uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief, and our official NASCAR contributor, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, going to break it down some racing segments. Guys, did you hear that uh, that Sean Connery passed away? We'll start with you, uh, 
Steve, did you hear that? No. Yep, he passed away, 90 years old. The original James Bond. Tony, had you heard that? Yeah, I saw it this morning on Twitter. Um, 2020 just keeps on ticking, I guess. I tell you what, we've got a full moon on Halloween. You know, we I, I think we're going to have trick-or-treaters. I, I moved, and now I'm in a subdivision. Before, I was on a busy road, so I haven't had any uh, uh, trick-or-treaters in a while, but I've been told there's trick-or-treaters that come on here. I, I'm thinking, and, and Tony, you live here in Indianapolis. I, I'm thinking they're going to allow trick-or-treating. I hope so, because I bought a lot of candy. I think, they're gonna uh, I think outside of Marion County, you'll be able to. So uh, no worries, though. You just give me your address, and I'll come over and collect some Reese's tomorrow. Are you are you saying that, that, that Marion County says no trick-or-treating? I don't think there's trick-or-treating in Marion County. I think it's outside the, uh, the limits of Marion County where you're allowed to. Oh, my God. I should have. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to give you all, all my candy. Uh I mean, what the heck? The kids are going to be wearing masks, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, are you going to have trick-or-treaters? Are they banned trick-or-treaters in Virginia? You're at Martinsville. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They've, uh, yeah, in Virginia, and most places, they've, uh, most of, most of, uh, most of the trick-or-treaters in the places, uh, in the cities and counties have been banned. I mean, there's a few events and things like that where, like you can, uh, like I don't know, like trunk or treats or something like that, and you just roll your car through it. But for the most part, yeah, it's been all banned. Well, dang! I guess I just figured that with kids. I mean, I don't know. I guess it makes sense. Oh uh, well, I got a lot of candy to give away to somebody. <laughs> that's that's for sure. I was I was really looking forward to it. Well, we got. Big race in Martinsville. We'll start with you, uh, Steve. I know you're down there in Martinsville enjoying the the action with NASCAR and eating some hot dogs. We certainly got racing all weekend in Martinsville. Breaking down what's happening there in Martinsville for the grandfather clock. Well, last night um, the truck series race there at Martinsville and uh, Austin Hill. Um, Ended up uh, his bid for a championship in 2020 came to an end with an engine issue, uh, as well as Craft uh, uh, and Solder and other drivers are are out of it, and we finally have uh, four drivers that are uh, locked in and going to go to Phoenix next week and go for a championship. Uh, Grant Anfer won the race and locked himself in, and Sheldon Creed and. Dean Smith also uh, locked in and ready to go uh, next week. And uh, Brett Moffat, uh, a former champion in the series, is, uh, is the four that are going to compete at, at Phoenix for, for the 2020 championship in the truck series. Tony, let's talk a little bit about today's Xfinity uh, race. Obviously, uh, we look at uh, our, our guy Chase Briscoe, which we like to follow, Austin Sindri, Justin Algager, and Justin Alley. All above the line there in this playoff race, uh, Allen Martinsville. What are your thoughts? Yeah, back to the truck race last night. I mean, there was a flare for the dramatics late, and then uh, you know, I'm a big. Uh, I love Martinsville. I love when the lights are on, and you can short track race, beating, banging. That's what we saw yesterday with the truck race. Um, you know, Sheldon Creed's probably my favorite heading in the next week. Uh, but Zane Smith, a, a, a kid who's won a lot of ARCA races, he's won some truck races this year. He's going to move up next year and be with uh, Dale Earnhardt. 
Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s team. Looking forward to that. Xfinity-wise today, I mean, Chase Briscoe um, has pretty much locked himself in. But we'll see if Allgaier and Haley and Ross Chastain can um, can stay up front today um, as we get ready to head to Phoenix next week. So um, a short track to wrap up this weekend. And then, uh, what, a one-mile track out in Phoenix next week, which is, you know, they changed the configuration of that track. Um, but you want to get a win today to be able to to to, uh, to bring some momentum into Phoenix next week. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, go, we'll flip over to you there, there, Steve. We look at the Xfinity race today, and we look ahead, going ahead in, in the playoffs, and we're getting ready for Phoenix. What, what are your thoughts? Well, the Xfinity series hasn't been to Martinsville in about – uh, about 14, 15 years or something like that. So there's a lot of drivers that are going to come in uh, today, and you know have have never. Well, every every driver out there um, is is going to come in with without actually running these cars on this track. Um, now some of them have the uh, virtue of being able to run trucks or cup on the on the on the uh, track in the last you know 14, 15 years, but. You know, it's going to be interesting to see these Xfinity Series cars um, on Martinsville for the first time in about 15 or so years. So, um, I, I think you look to Chase Briscoe, who is a is a good short track racer himself, and uh, Justin Allgaier have uh, been in a couple cars on on Martinsville Speedway over the years. So you get a, a lot of uh, you got a lot of uh, uh, you know the drivers across the field on, on their experience, both on short tracks or, you know, in Justin Allgaier's case, actually run a cup car on Martinsville. So um, I think, uh, you know, we saw last night with Zane Smith, who had never been on Martinsville, never turned a lap. He led the race. So I think, you know, we can, uh, you know, we, we can expect anything to kind of happen. And, you know, Martinsville, was kind of, Martinsville being a short track, uh, you know, it's a difficult place for to not only race, but a difficult place to pass. And, uh, you know, most of these drivers um, come from short tracks somewhere in their career. So, um, you know, without, even without laps, you know, it's, it's very plausible that you can see drivers go out there and lead laps and uh, get good finishes. Tony, we, we've talked about this and Steve and you and I have also talked about this in the past. We're in the playoffs. We're in the short track and things are going to happen. Bump and grinds are going to happen. Tony, what do teams do to keep themselves from wrecking teammates, if you will, or play, or, or drivers for that matter that that have uh, drive, drivers causing wrecks, if you will, on the short track that have nothing to gain in the overall series as far as the championship uh, playoff series? Well, it was it was kind of wild on what was it Wednesday when they ran that race at Texas late in the race. We didn't know if Kyle Busch was going to be able to make it on on fuel. Well, he was kind of complaining that hey, these lap traffic cars they're they're helping they're they're getting out of the way too easily. I need to draft up behind them to save some fuel. So um, it's a lot easier time to get out of the way at Texas than it is to get out of the way of Martinsville. And, and, and that, that lead train of cars comes around real quick. I mean, I'm talking 15 to 20 laps tomorrow. If it stays green, we may see some lap cars. So um, you just got to be respectful. You, it's, it's the same today when it comes to Xfinity. You just got to be respectful. Because uh, as, as I told you last week, what goes around comes around. And you don't want to be that, that, that young gun who's not in the championship hunt that boots a Chase Briscoe or 
you know, boots Justin Allgaier out of the way. And then next year, you know, maybe you're running for a championship as you've moved up or you've had a better season and a veteran like that who remembers what happened. I mean, we saw it with – we've seen Martinsville become uh, kind of anger anger management with uh, Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano a few years ago, Denny Hamlin, Chase Briscoe. Um, short tracks, man, they uh, they get your nerves going and, 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 and they piss off a lot of people. So interesting to see uh, what happens tomorrow as far as the respect factor goes in such a short track where it's hard to get out of each other's way. Uh, Steve, uh, same question to you. What 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 happens here in situations with that? I mean, well, how do how do uh, drivers who have nothing to gain by wreck, wrecking somebody who is in the playoff hunt? What what how how do they prepare for that within the team? Because you got to remember, there's a lot of teammates on the same track together. Well, I mean, in track series last night, we saw a lot of uh, moving people out of the way and. You know, that's really at Martinsville, but, you know, the outside groove isn't the prevailing groove, so it, it's sometimes hard harder to, to get around people, and, you know, especially if you're you're on the outside. And, I mean, we did see a few trucks on the outside do try and, you know, use that groove in order to get around, get around and especially battle for the lead. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're, you're one of your few ways to get around this track is either being on the inside of the track or you, you, you're going to have to move somebody out of the way. And, uh, we did see that a couple of times last night with, you know, Ben Rhodes and others that, um, you know, just, just, you know, the frustration factor goes up. You've had enough person will get out of the driver won't get out of the way. And, you know, you're, you're just eventually just going to have to move them out of the way. And, um, you know, but, you know, uh, anger, you know, anger comes into play here. You know, there, there was a lot of it last night. Uh, we saw that with Raphael Lassard. He, he, uh, he, he also was another one that was moved other way. And at the afterwards, he was, uh, in, incredibly irritated at the fact that it did happen, but you know, it, uh, you know, there's a, this is short track racing and, you know, these tight turns and long straightaways where you can get a burst of speed, but, you know, got to, you know, really rail it back down real quick and get around those small tight turns. Uh, you know, you, you don't have much chance to pass and, you know, it, it's just one of those things that we see at short tracks and that's what, you know, NASCAR fans have, have continuously said over and over and over again that, you know, they want to go to short tracks because they want to see the action that occurs and, uh, you know, you you see it at a at a place like Martinsville. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, Tony, let's talk real quickly a recap of IndyCar. IndyCar finished up their season uh, for another big championship for the Iceman Scott Dixon. Uh, give us a recap of that championship and and what are we looking at going into the uh, funny season here uh, with IndyCar. Yeah, um, and we'll look see what tomorrow uh, if Martin Truex Jr. continues the dominance in Martinsville that we've seen. Uh, it's become Martin Truexville, uh, if you know what I'm saying. But yeah, IndyCar wrapped it up last week. Um, you know, despite what the Indy Star said and not having the right photo caption there, um, it was a good season. Uh, you know, it, it, I thought Dixon and you know Steve can maybe comment on this as if, if he wants to. I think it'd be a good question for Steve. Scott Dixon in the virtual. Um, winter celebration on Thursday night said, 
you know, kudos to NASCAR. NASCAR was the racing series, and really, I think the professional sport in general that said, look, let's get back to this. Let's try to jam some of these races in. Let's throw some Thursday night races out there. Let's have double headers. Um, but he, you know, he, he complimented NASCAR to say, hey, they kind of set the president as to, um, you know, as to, hey, this is how it should be done. Let's get back to racing and let's do it. And I think that opened up the door for IndyCar to be able to complete their season. Yeah, it sucks. They didn't get to go to places like Richmond, which I thought was going to be an exciting race. They didn't get to go to um, places like, uh, where else did they skip out on? Uh, Barber Motorsports Park, right. Long Beach. But again, they got to wrap it up at St. Pete. Um, I thought the testing yesterday went well. There looked to be a lot of passing uh, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They had a five-car test. And uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if they'll be able to uh, – you know, get some passing going on these ovals because that that was the one thing that lacked this season and really last year was was passing on ovals, especially big ovals like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, what are your thoughts on Scott Dixon's comment about NASCAR and certainly uh, kudos to NASCAR? Yeah, NASCAR was, uh, you know, they they put all these protocols in place to make sure that they could come back and. Yeah, a lot of people have, uh, you know, we, we well, you know, uh, we have one of the, we have the longest season, anyways, and I mean, we run away from February all into into November, and NASCAR, you, you know, they were they were, you know, in a situation also where the fact that you know too much longer, and they were going to have to start canceling races, and you know, they 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 came up with protocols and uh, for for drivers, team members, crew. Uh, track staff, media, um, you know, for for to be able to get back out there and and get racing, and you know that's that's something that you know it, it also gave NASCAR time, uh, a little chance to experiment in some of these midweek midweek races, which fans again have also said they would like to see. Now you know we can debate on the fact that the ratings for some of these midweek races weren't as strong as we would see traditionally on a weekend. And, uh, you know, people were, were at home at the same time. So, you know, it, it, you know, there were people there, there was no other sports, you no know, basketball, football, hockey, et cetera. And, you know, for, for NASCAR to, to, to be able to, uh, uh, kind of lead that way. And I know that, you know, NASCAR, you know, worked with professionals across the spectrum in order to, to come up with the protocols that they did in order to get back racing. And, you know, some of the some of these other series and sports and um, leagues, you know, did reach out to NASCAR and, you know, look at some of the things that they were doing in order to get their seasons also back going. And, you know, we saw after, after some time that, you know, we started to see sports come back in, in other arenas and, you know, if I, you know, NASCAR up the bar out there to get their season back going and try and get a full season in, regardless of, you know, whether they had to move races to, to other tracks and run three races, you know, on a week out somewhere to, to get their events in. But, you know, you know, it's, it, it's just a testament to, uh, you know, all the work that NASCAR really does put in to try and get these races going, even, even in a crazy year like 2020. It is. And we're, we're, you know, we just saw uh, William Bryan's uh, pit crew, a lot of their team being sidelined because of, of of the COVID, too. And I tell you what, this has just really just kind of gotten in a crazy world that that's, that's created everything. So uh, let's uh, start, go back over to the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, certainly, uh, Tony Joy Logano 
Kevin Harvick, who we talked about last week, Denny Hamlin, and Brad Koloski, all in the in the above the line there uh, to be in the playoff uh, standing, the playoff race there. Certainly there at at, at Martinsville. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Tony? Yeah, we saw it kind of come down last week where, or I guess it wasn't last week. I guess it was on Wednesday where Kyle Busch was leading, and when we know that he's been eliminated from playoff contention, um, but Martin Truex Jr. was trying to race you know, his way in, he was running second. So, um, as we know, Logano's right there. He's already locked in. He's going to be there. Harvick and Denny Hamlin, I believe, are are pretty much, if not 100%, locked in. Um, and then you've got that battle for third. And Kozlowski's got a bit of a gap there. So, it's going to take um, a lot for Kozlowski to fall out of that. But, again, all it takes is for Bowman or Chase or Martin or Kurt, or Kurt Busch to win. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. has won the last two races at Martinsville. Chase Elliott has had a lot of success at Martinsville as well. Uh, my pick and my winner tomorrow is Denny Hamlin. But but I, I'm telling you what, Tom, Martin Truex Jr. Chase Elliott have a good chance to go out with a bang tomorrow, get a victory, and punch themselves into a race for the championship next week at Phoenix. And I, absolutely. This is just coming down to to the groove there. Steve, what are your thoughts? Troy Logano, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, or Brad Kowalski? Yeah, I mean, after we've seen the the dozens of races that have been won cumulatively between Harvick and Hamlin this year, uh, or, you know, uh, about six or seven apiece, it, uh, you know, I'm not surprised that we come to Martinsville and, it, and it's like this. Uh, Harvick doesn't need too many points going in uh, tomorrow. Uh, some stage points can, can potentially just lock him in. Um, you know, before they end the race, depending on how he's finishing or where he's running throughout the race. But, you know, Denny Hamlin has, has come to Barnesville in the years, and, um, you know, he's he's been able to bring it to Victor Lane. But then, yes, you, you've also seen drivers like Chase Elliott um, that, that won their lights um, about – uh, about two years ago, back in 2018, and then you uh, then you also have Brad Keselowski and um, Martin Truex Jr. So you know there there's there's drivers out there that that have potential um, to to come in tomorrow and lock themselves in. And I think you know for for Martin Truex he he's in a must win situation after that uh, penalty last week at at Texas that put him well well under um, you know uh, under the cut line and. You know, even by virtue by finishing second last week, it it, it didn't really improve his position, but so much uh, because he did miss out on some crucial stage points throughout the race too. So, um, you know, he he does have to come in and, and pretty much win this thing. Um, you know, the, he's just not going to be able to ride around and collect some stage points and hope to finish second or third and be able to get in uh, next week at Phoenix. Uh, Tony and and Steve, let's talk a little bit about. Again, we continue our, our farewell tour to, uh, with Jimmy Johnson leaving NASCAR. It looks like he's going to be joining the road courses of, of IndyCar. Tony, we'll start with you. Uh, from the IndyCar side of, of Jimmy Johnson, it looks like he's going to be running uh, road courses or at least a limited amount of road courses plus the Indianapolis uh, 500. So he, he's kind of walking away from NASCAR and walking into IndyCar. This might be a – now we've seen uh, team uh, drivers do duels. and We've seen Tony Stewart do – do stuff with IndyCar and NASCAR, but outside of Tony Stewart, do we can we uh, count to a driver that went from NASCAR full-time NASCAR to basically full-time IndyCar? Do we do? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? 
Um, I think Juan Pablo Montoya is the first guy that comes to mind. I mean, he ran years and years in NASCAR, then made the switch to IndyCar and had success. He came back and won the Indianapolis 500, and I believe just his second attempt back. Um, Dario Franchitti didn't really run cup full-time, but he was in Xfinity for half of the year. Um, and then we also saw Danica Patrick. I mean, she ran NASCAR and then came back to run the 500. So um, it has been done. We'll see if Jimmy Johnson runs the 500. I don't think that that's been announced yet. I think it's just simply the road and street courses. But um, we saw him at St. Pete uh, last Friday sitting there watching practice. And um, I wish he probably would have stayed to the weekend since the NASCAR race didn't run until the following Wednesday. Um, so it will be interesting to see. Uh, what happens, what, what what goes on, and uh, what Jimmy Johnson can do next year. But I know that he's eagerly awaiting uh, his chance to get into the car uh, at St. Pete coming up in March. So, uh, Steve, right here down in Martinsville, what, what does Martinsville have on tap uh, for the farewell of Jimmy Johnson? Well, unfortunately, just like so many other places, there's, you know, only a thousand fans that are in here. So, you know, most of these things have been kind of, you know, internal deals or, you know, naming rights to, to you know, things like that. So, you know, but, you know, Martinsville is, uh, you know, they're, they're going to do a little something for him tomorrow and um, hopefully the fans will be able to enjoy it. Um, we will uh, we will see whether that remains to be had or not, but uh, or if they have to take this thing and uh, do something uh um, you know, with uh, with Jimmy, you know, outside of, uh, you know, the fans' view. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what they got going on. But, they, yes, they do have some stuff planned for him tomorrow coming into his final race at Martinsville. So Martinsville is a great short track, uh, Steve. It's known for uh, being a, a great uh, bumping and grinding, but it's known for a couple other things and the grandfather clot uh, uh, prize. One other thing that I know that you're enjoying, and they are known for the best hot dog here Uh, what's your hot dog count there steve (laughs) Uh, well i've had uh i had four yesterday i'll probably have about 10 or 12 more before the end of the weekend (laughs) tony have you ever been to martinsville Uh, i have not but i have seen the hot dogs and i'm super jealous so please have one for me and me too as well (laughs) Why don't you just ship some over to Indianapolis there, uh, Steve? <laughs> that, that'll, that'll be the way the way to do it. All right, guys, uh, that wraps up our, our racing talk. Uh, Tony, are you going to stick around for NFL? It turns out that Ed has to take his wife to the art museum, and he's on the steps of Rocky Balboa and having a heart attack. That was a text I got from him earlier. Do you want to stick around? <laughs> I, can, I, I can stick around and talk NFL for you. Hey, you the man. Uh, hey, uh, guys, do we want to take uh, Halloween scary bets on who's going to be the president <laughs> on our next show? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, of course, I, I, don't, I don't think that's a, that, that's a part of the outline of this show, but it is. I, it uh, is. I'll vote for uh, – my vote goes for Dale Earnhardt Jr. because everybody loves him. That's right. Right in <laughs> he can He can stop COVID, uh, that's for sure. Uh Steve, I appreciate you joining us. I know you're down there in Martinsville, a lot going on today. I appreciate you taking some time, and I know you went a little bit older than what you could, so I, I appreciate that. But where can people find your work? And thank you, sir. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. Have, you, have yourself a safe weekend. Enjoy Martinsville, sir. Thank you. Take care. 
Steve Wilson, our official NASCAR contributor and editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, joins us. We'll be right back right on the Balance Radio Network. We're going to wrap it up, put a bow on it with some NFL talk. The Lions and the Colts on tap. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community, standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in Movember for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The Move Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache. Challenge yourself to move and support those who do. Together, we can change the face of men's health.
All right, welcome back to Balance. Final fourth quarter of the show upon us on this full moon Halloween uh, night. Time to get things rocking and rolling with the NFL. Helping us out with that is Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Ed Kratz uh, is taking his wife to the art museum and is trying to make his way up the steps to Brock uh, in Philadelphia. Have you ever climbed those steps before? I've never. I've only been to Philadelphia once, and we didn't get to go to the steps. So I know that's probably sin for uh, traveling to Philadelphia, but it just didn't happen. It's it's on my it's on my bucket list, and uh, and Ed said that that uh, part of town is is unfazed. So they had their issues going on this week. It's it's it just it, another part of the crazy world that we're in. So let's uh, talk about some NFL. Let's uh, recap Thursday's game: the Falcons and the Panthers. I mean, the the Falcons showed up on the road against Carolina, twenty five to seventeen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it seemed like the it seemed like the Panthers had every opportunity, and then when they were driving late to uh, maybe tie that game, is when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. Philip Walker, the former Colts quarterback and quarterback in the XFL, and I think the Canadian Football League came in and just uh, threw some darts and didn't have a chance to be caught. Uh, the Falcons, I think, are a better team than the record shows. They've obviously led big in a couple of those games. You know, they let Dallas come back, and they let the Bears come back from big-time deficits. So, um, just just looking forward to seeing uh, what tomorrow has to, has to come. But uh, a nice win for Atlanta there. However, um, you know, if you're a Falcons fan, you're thinking, well, look, we're, one, we're what, one and four coming in, one and five. Now we get our second one. We better watch out because we're not going to win the division. We're probably not going to be the wild card. So what are we really playing for here? And it should be a top-tier draft pick next year. Yeah, and they're they're playing for Trevor Lawrence. That's who they're playing for. <laughs> Depending on what what happens with him, obviously we would think that he's going to go into the NFL. And uh, certainly, but what are your thoughts about him not being able to play a couple games? Because we look at how they vote for Heisman Trophy players. It seems like a lot of times the winner is based on games of the most recent. Uh, part of, of things Trevor Lawrence missing last week and possibly this week and maybe even ne- next week against Notre Dame how big of a story in the overall uh, race yeah I, I mean I, I think what it's going to come down to is does he play against Notre Dame next week and if you look at the Clemson football schedule uh, from there on out I mean next week is obviously the game that's been circled on a lot of people's schedules with Notre Dame being inside of the top four um, you know, missing today against against Boston College, that's no big deal. They'll still probably blow them out. But you look at the – there's only four games after today left for the ACC and Clemson, and that's Notre Dame, Florida State, Pitt, and Virginia Tech, all winnable games. Uh, and that takes you through December 5th. Then you get the you get the big-time ACC championship game. So, um, you know, as far as the Heisman goes, I mean, he's always going to be up there. And, you know, you you would hope other guys – like Justin Fields will be able to turn it on as well, but this is a um, this is the this is the time now for some of these other Heisman candidates to step up and do when all the attention's not going to be on Trevor Lawrence since he's out, obviously with COVID. Yeah, it's just crazy how this is affecting everybody. Let's let's talk about uh, going into tomorrow's game. Walk around. Let's start with our Colts. They are at the Lions. Uh, talk with us a little bit about the Colts. And tell you what, they they have been. They found ways to win and that games that they should have won and found ways to lose games that they should have won. But the good thing is the Colts are on the right side of the coin and they have some momentum going in 
against a somewhat struggling Detroit Lions. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, the, the, the Colts and the Lions? Uh, this game is a very, very close call. Um, I do think the Lions have the advantage. Matt Stafford is going to be the better quarterback in tomorrow's game, which I know a lot of people may not agree with or believe. Um, they have a, about the same rushing attacks, and, and I need to see Phillip Rivers uh, show us a little more different weapons. I mean, I need to see in more than just Trey Burton and Zach Pascal, T.Y. Hilton needs to step up. Um, I think other guys need to step up as well that have been out there playing. Because uh, the Lions can beat you in different ways. They really can. Their defense hasn't been awful this year. Uh, they're 3-3 three and three on the season. Uh, we'll see if Adrian Peterson plays, but DeAndre Swift's a decent backup who's, uh, who's rushed for four touchdowns so far uh, this season. And then you got guys like Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson at the tight end position, uh, Marvin Jones, and then a guy named Danny Amendola. And it seems year after year, no matter who's coaching or playing for the Colts, guys like Danny Amendola – and guys like Julian Edelman and guys like Cole Beasley are always those guys that run, you know, four or five yard outs and complete passes that tend to kill the Colts. So uh, hopefully the defense is there, steps up. I, I know that the uh, that injury report yesterday for the Colts was a was really a laundry list and a, a who's who of names from up and down because you know this this has been a banged up football team and 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 they're in flux right now. You think about. Um, you know, what tomorrow means, well, the the rest of the schedule is just absolutely uh, mind-boggling for the Colts. Uh, back to the injury report yesterday, you've got Mo Cox, who's been questionable, hasn't played the last couple of weeks. Um, Julian Blackman, who's been really good. Uh, he was a full participant Thursday, did not practice Friday. Um, Ryan Kelly, the center, he's questionable. I mean, that's, that's huge. Looks like, uh, you know, Costanzo and T.Y. Hilton will be ready, but you know, you look at this cold schedule for the next couple of weeks, and and, it, and it's going to make or break their season. And I personally think, even as a Colts fan, that it's going to break their season. Um, you got the Lions tomorrow on the road. That's a tough game. Um, you know, yeah, you are you're four and two right now. I believe the Colts are. But if you lose to the Lions, all of a sudden you're looking at four and three. You're not going to beat Baltimore here in uh, here next week. Uh, you're probably not going to go to Tennessee and win. You're not going to beat Green Bay here. And then, you know, you may be looking at the next Colts win being the couple days after Thanksgiving against the Titans at home, and that's, that's still even up for grabs. It might not be until December until uh, they play the Texans. So it's a very, very tough schedule for the Colts coming up here. And if they could find a way to, uh, go, to, go, to L- or to go to Vegas and beat the Raiders uh, and split with the Titans and get this win tomorrow against the Lions, I, I, I think they might have a little bit of a better chance at maybe squeaking into the back end of the playoffs. But, but Tom, you look at the AFC wildcard standings. I mean, the Bills are going to win their division. That's going to be their mm-hmm. team, win their division. But then you're going to have the Steelers and Ravens that are going to make it. And then, you know, the Titans are going to win their division. The Ravens or Steelers will be one of the wild cards. And I think the Colts still have a chance right now to grab that wild card. Uh, but they're going to have to take care of some business. And it's going to be tough. They're going to be in a race uh, with probably the Raiders and the Browns. I mean, the Browns are going to be right there, too, and we know the Browns hold the, tie, the tiebreaker and the wild card with them. Yeah, I wonder why that is. <laughs> so, hey, so here, here's the thing. Chris Ballard obviously is known for hoarding his draft picks and, and trading down each of his past uh, four drafts to acquire more. So the idea of him parting with a pick to acquire a veteran uh, rental before trade de- deadline is highly unlikely. 
But if he was to, I, I would say there would be a short list of possible acquisitions. Uh, we're not talking about a young star like like Butner or anything like that, but the Colts could consider either added, adding a veteran pass rusher like Washington's Ryan Keegan or Cincinnati's A.J. Green. Do you think the Colts do anything with the trade deadline or just let it come and pass like another day? Well, I would like to see Ryan Kerrigan come here uh, and get another pass rusher. But, again, I don't think that's a huge need. And I also know that he's a free agent. And you might have a better chance of getting him to come here, come home. Uh, He's from Muncie. He went to Purdue. Maybe getting him to come home here in the offseason. So maybe you don't need to give up anything for him just yet. It's kind of the pacer situation. If they wanted to trade for Gordon Hayward, well, what happened if he backs out of his contract? So um, A.J. Green, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to stay in Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I do think you need a wide receiver, and I think you need a younger wide receiver that has proven that he can play because T.Y. Hilton just um, has not been a guy that has stepped up this year. We're waiting for that breakout game, and, and, and we know he's on the back end of his career, which is crazy to say. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a Muhammad Sanu, maybe um, a Golden Tate who's been on the market for the Giants, uh, I could see possibly coming here. But um, I, I would assume that more than likely – uh, the Colts kind of stand pat at what, at, at what they have. All right, let's kind of walk around the league here. Let's start with the Vikings and a very good Packers uh, in a, probably another Super Bowl uh, for, uh, for Aaron Rodgers as it's looking right now. The Vikings are, are, the Vikings are at the Packers. Yeah, Packers are um, six-and-a-half-point favorites. I like the Packers here. They had a nice bounce back last week after falling on the road to Tampa Bay two weeks ago. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers continues to go, and we'll see if they pick up Will Fuller here over the next couple of weeks when it comes to free agency. Uh, up next, we're, we're talking about the Titans, and the Titans have the Bengals. The Titans are a 5-1, and one, certainly have a stronghold on the number one position in the AFC. Now, as you mentioned earlier, probably a very good shot that they're going to win the division. Titans are at the Bengals. Yeah, um, I think the Bengals have played a lot better than what people – I mean, maybe what their schedule – or maybe what their record shows. Um, this will be a smash-mouth, low-scoring, beat-and-bang type game. I'll take the Titans big. Let's look at the Jets or at the Chiefs. Uh, obviously, I, the Chiefs are at home. Patrick Mahomes, there's all kinds of uh, ways that we can say that the Chiefs will win this game. But what are your thoughts on the Jets and the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, this should be a blowout. The Chiefs have kind of played a little bit down to their competition. We saw that kind of sneak up and beat them um, a few weeks ago when they played the Raiders. But, um, yeah, I certainly think at the end of the day that um, the Chiefs are still one of the best teams in the AFC, and they should have no problems blowing out the Jets. So uh, my pick for the Super Bowl out of the AFC, the Steelers and the Ravens. Uh, I think the Steelers, it's going to be a Steelers and Packers uh, Super Bowl. That's just an early pick. We'll see how things shape up. But the Steelers are certainly the real deal. Yeah. Um, that's going to be – what do you think, Tom? Is that the best game of the weekend so far? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. The Ravens yeah, I mean, show – It's going to be must-watch. I believe that game – is that a 4 o'clock game tomorrow? It's a 1 o'clock game. A 1 o'clock game. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be one of those smash-mouth – um, defensive battles, who can score, who has the football last, because uh, that's going to be the team that wins, because it's going to come down to a 14, you know, 17-14 type field goal game. We got the Rams at the Dolphins. It looks like we're finally going to be able to see uh, Tua uh, get a starting role in the NFL. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Rams, you know, they're, they're a good team. They've got a great defense, but an East Coast team traveling to the West Coast is always tough. Um, it's always a difficult situation, uh, and it is too at times. So the so the Dolphins are going to be uh, ready to go. We'll see if he can he can control the football game and, and make things happen with his feet tomorrow. Um, but but I, I do like the Rams to have a slight advantage in this one. Good, the Patriots and the Bills. Uh, this will be a good matchup in the AFC Bills uh, against uh, the, the 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 Patriots, who looks like they're on the tail end, if not the end of their dynasty. Yeah, I mean, their defense just has not simply been able to work out. Cam Newton's been banged up. Um, and, you know, the Bills, really, though, I was high on the Bills coming in, and I'm not exactly sure who they are. There are games like last week where they struggle against the Jets, even though they ended up winning that football game. They got off to a slow start. Um, the Bills are the team that I, I think we, we want to know, are they the real deal? They struggled with the Jets last week. You know, they, they hung tough on that Monday night game with the Chiefs. Then they got blown out by the Titans, but they beat the Rams and the Raiders. So they're a very hit-or-miss team. I'm very interested in the time to see what the Bills can do tomorrow, what they can do at home against Seattle next week. Then they got to go to Arizona, play the Chargers, play the 49ers, play the Steelers. So it's a tough go for the Bills here over the next couple of weeks, um, just as tough as what the, what the Colts have. Well, another good game coming up tomorrow is the Raiders at the Browns. Obviously, both AFC teams that have a lot to prove uh, in, in their in their hopes for some playoff uh, uh, aspirations. So the Raiders and the Browns. The Raiders are at the Browns. Yeah, this should be a really good game. Um, both teams are, are, are right there to be able to prove that, hey, we deserve to be in some of this discussion. Um, the Raiders with that brand-new stadium in Las Vegas um, have, have had an okay year. Um, you think about, you know, they got blown out last week to Tampa, but they beat the Chiefs. Uh, they've got a, you know, they've got a nice win um, over the Saints. But you know, you look at you you look at their schedule as well, Tom, and it's like, okay, you're sitting there at three and three, and you got a chance to make some moves. But oh, by the way, you got to go to Cleveland, which has been a pretty good team. You got to go to the Chargers of an upstart quarterback at Herbert, uh, and then and then you got you got the Chiefs. So tough week for the Raiders. I think the Raiders get it done tomorrow in Cleveland, but it's going to be an ugly close game. And uh, Tony, I just saw your poll, tougher schedule on, on Twitter at Tony D. Uh, Tony D. Indy, I'm sorry. Tougher schedule over the next six weeks, the Colts or the Bills. We're voting the Colts have a tougher schedule. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's the Bills. I mean, you look at what I just said as far as um, you know, who they have to play, and um, it's it's not easy. It's not easy for the Bills, and this is what happens when you're a good football team, and then, oh, hey, by the way, your divi- you know, your division is scheduled to play the best NFC division there is right now, which is the NFC West. So um, the Bills get the Patriots tomorrow. That should be a win. But then Seahawks, Cardinals, both teams vying for the playoffs. Chargers, great upstart team. 49ers, really good football team coming off the Super Bowl. Steelers, the only undefeated team. And then you get the Broncos, but that's still tough to go to the Mile High City uh, around Christmas. And then you get a Monday night game back here or back against New England. And then you get the Dolphins. And we don't know what the Dolphins are going to be like come January 3rd. When Is Tua going to be the guy? Is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to play well? Or is he going to play like a rookie? So um, I'm going to give the, I'm going to give the nod to the Bills. So let's uh, yeah, you're probably it's a it's a fifty fifty thing there. 
for sure. Chargers are at the Broncos, and I watched the Broncos game last week. There was the first game of 2020 where I saw snow. So the Chargers at the Broncos. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Herbert can get it done with his legs. So have not been impressed at all this year by the Broncos. Um, I'll, I'll take the Chargers to keep rolling. They're, they're, they're a tough team right now. The Saints and the Bears. Very yeah, um, I, uh, you know, this is one of those games where, um, you know, growing up in Northwest Indiana, you would watch, you know, early on in Drew Brees' career, they would hop over, play the Bears. It always seemed to be a cold game. Um, and, man, those helmets just sting even more when when they make contact. So, um, I'm going to lean defense this one. I'm going to give the Bears the slight advantage over the Saints. 49ers at the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, I mean, this should be a good one, too. This, can the Seahawks bounce back? We saw them on Sunday Night Football blow that lead uh, late to the Arizona Cardinals in overtime. I think the Seahawks do get a bounce back here, even though there's not a lot of fans there. Uh, it's still always very, very tough to, uh, to play in Seattle. Um, Garoppolo's been okay. But I think Russell Wilson continues on to his MVP season and has a has another big one tomorrow night. So uh, big game tomorrow night as well, and that's uh, Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, certainly Ed couldn't join us today. He's a beat writer for the Eagles and SI.com. Uh, but let's break down the Cowboys and the Eagles. Eagles are, are at home, and Eagles are starting to put some things together. They're starting to figure it out. It's pretty. It's it, it's it's uh, crazy to, to think that the Eagles could have such a rough start and yet still have an opportunity to win their division. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, that's absolutely right. It's, it's, um, it's a terrible division. I think we know that. Uh, I I think that, you know, Carson Wentz, if if he doesn't, if he doesn't win this division and get this team to host a playoff game, which I think is stupid that a team that could have a bad record gets to host it. But uh, the Cowboys, yeah, we, we don't know what they are anymore. Quarterback situation is, but, um, I think if, if the Eagles don't win this division, um, it's time to get rid of Carson Wentz and go with old Jalen Hurts or somebody else. I mean, you barely sneak out a win on Thursday night football against the against the crappy Giants. Um, but, you know, the Eagles haven't played bad. You know, yeah, they tied at the Bengals, but they, they knocked off the 49ers. They, they hung tough with the Ravens. They were really in that game with the Steelers till down the stretch, but you can't lose games like you lost in week one to Washington football team. So, um, yeah, if the Eagles don't win this division uh, and how bad it is, it's time for the Carson Wentz era to come to an end. And uh, maybe you can come here and sign as a Colt. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so the um, Monday night game, the Buccaneers against the Giants, obviously Tom Brady doing some good things in a, in a uh, red, uh, a different red uh, uniform, if you will, against the Giants. The Buccaneers are on the road. Yeah, Um the Buccaneers left no problem. There's really no time to spend on this, Tom. This is going to be an absolute blowout. This is going to be Tom Brady throwing for four touchdowns in the first three quarters. They're going to be up 35-10, to 10, and he's going to sit the, that fourth quarter. Tony Donahue with the Tony D Podcast joins us. Tony, I saw a tweet just now uh, from 59. They said that six to eight is would be what – uh, but they still want people to maintain social distancing. So maybe I can just throw the candy at them, just start tossing it. Well, around. then there you go. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Luckily, I don't have kids. I don't have kids coming to my door, so I don't really have to worry about it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, overall, let's wrap it up here. You know, we're, we're seeing more and more cases 
of these COVID outbreaks. And, and look at what, what's, what's happening with Wisconsin. Wisconsin's having to cancel games. If they have to cancel another game, look at a, at a Big Ten powerhouse that it, that's going to affect their playoff position. And you think back about – when all of this was going crazy and everybody was losing their minds and saying, oh, we got to postpone our season, we got to postpone our season. But when sports started coming back, we started seeing more and more outbreaks. And, you know, I'm so tired of this COVID becoming a political thing because newsflash, go take a civics class. The president has nothing to do with, with, with the virus. He has nothing to do with, with the distribution. It doesn't matter whether or not he, he felt like he handled it properly or not. This is a global pandemic, and it's happening everywhere. Did sports push the gun too much to come back too fast? Do you think that that's what happened there? Well, I mean, there's a lot of money involved, and there's a lot of money going back and forth, and it's, it's the same in big business as we see in the NFL as it is with local local bars and restaurants here in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, I thought the NBA did a great job in the bubble. Um, I didn't think the MLB season was going was gonna to finish because it seemed like every other week it was the Padres or the Cardinals or the Royals, or the Red Sox are having outbreaks. Um, and, and, and honestly, Tom, they almost didn't. We saw it in the World Series the other night. They almost didn't finish it. Justin Turner, seventh inning, gets, test, you know, gets his results back. He comes back positive, runs out, celebrates with his, with his fellow teammates without a mask on. I mean, just absolute irresponsible by, by Major League Baseball and the Dodgers to let a guy in an emotional state of mind right there. I know it's tough. It's, it's his greatest accomplishment as a baseball player. You want to celebrate with your fans or, or your friends and your teammates, but mask up, wear gloves. If you have to just do what you have to do um, to try to combat this. And then, and if you do your part, hopefully it'll save lives of others. So I don't think it came back too too soon. Um, I think it's what the American people needed. I understand it. Um, but at the end of the day, you just got to be smart. And, and there's always going to be people in this country, Tom, that just aren't smart. <laughs> that's, that's true on both sides of the political fences. That's for sure. Uh, hey, you're the betting guy. You want to do a prop bet who's going to be our president on the show next week? <laughs> uh, Dale, like I said in the last segment, Dale, Dale Jr. I love, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's I'll take that's it. great. I, I tell you what, though, I, it's just amazing how much politics is just upturned and just it, let's just let the people do the business and go to just get it over with. I mean, I'm I'm a I feel like I'm, I'm I'm fairly educated in the world of politics and sports, but I tell you what, I am done with the politics season. I, I I'm, I'm like to the point where I care who wins. I'm going to do my part to to see that that happens. But after that, I'm 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 done, dude. I am I the only yeah. one that feels like we have just been bombarded and overwhelmed over over this over the last few months. It's just it's just total. Uh, total insanity. Talking about the Dodgers, though, they win a World Series. Congratulations to them. Uh, we were talking earlier with Rick Riggin, and Rick Riggin's a big Braves fan, and I said, do you think that, as well, I, I don't want to comment on a team that bought uh, their way into the World Series. So basically saying that because baseball doesn't have a a salary cap, that they're able to to, to pay the salaries like they do to Mookie Betts and others. I, I like to a business, if you work for a company and they hire the very best salespeople and the very best executives and they pay them what they're worth, you would expect you get the results of what you pay for. I, and But at the same time, I think that the Braves allowed the Dodgers to just by not doing 
right stuff to make it happen. And more and more teams, as we know, analytics win games. We used to say defenses win games, analytics win games now. And when teams can effectively use analytics, it helps them a lot. And I, and I just I, – I, I don't think – do you think – I guess the ultimate uh, final question here is, do you think that there should be a salary cap in baseball? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm okay with where it's at. It is what it is. I mean, we saw the Rays that have what, what their entire roster makes the same as two players that were on the Dodgers and they still made it to the world series. And then what happened? Analytics got in the way instead of keeping your, your star pitcher in there who was dealing and only given up two hits. Um, you know, the analytics got in the way and I know it's what got you, got you there. And I know it's what got, um, you know, the, the, the team of the world series, but, uh, I thought the biggest the biggest concern and the biggest thing was just the fact that, um, you know, they simply didn't leave him in, and then it led to two runs for the Dodgers, and that was all she wrote. Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Uh, you can find me at Tony D Indy on Twitter or follow my podcast at the Tony D Podcast wherever you find your podcast. Tony, we're really involved in, in uh, November, no shave November. Are you are you going to uh, shave the rest of the month? Um, well, I haven't shaved on October, so uh, we may as well just keep it going, right? That's right. Hey, I, 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 I started early, too, so might as well just keep it going. Guys, go out there and go to Movember.com and uh, donate some money and, and just uh, don't worry about shaving. Uh, it's okay for girls, too. I mean, but, hey, it, it, let's, let's – uh, <laughs> To moderation there. Let's not lose our minds there, okay? All right, Tony. You yourself yep. a good Halloween. Stay safe, sir. You too. Take care. Hey, buddy. Tony Donahue the Tony D Podcast. Thanks for joining us and talking racing with us in the NFL. Scott Lamb and Rick Riggin uh, joined us as well to talk college football. Steve Wilson uh, of Speedway Digest uh, joined us to talk uh, about uh, Martinsville and what's going on there. My name's Tom Marcus L. Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We salute Mr. Sean Connery, one of the greats. We're out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.